This is why small business matters from Northumbria University. Supporting small businesses with the Help to Grow Management Programme. Hello and welcome to this episode of Why Small Business Matters. My name is Matt Sutherland and in today's episode we discuss the future and how university business collaboration can boost business performance. If the world is changing around us, actually what we need, you need to be able to feed that in, ideally in real time. The challenges of thinking 10 years ahead about what, what the transition to electric cars would be is a long journey and some companies have the force to engage with that. They were the voices of Joe Marshall and Stuart Wilkinson, two people who know just how important it is for small businesses to develop partnerships and work collaboratively. Joe is the CEO of the National Centre for Universities and Business, an independent organisation focused on making the UK the best place in the world for universities and business to collaborate. I'm also joined by Stuart Wilkinson, Acting Director in Innovation, Engagement and Research Services at University of Oxford, with a core focus on regional engagement and business research innovation. Welcome to the podcast. Great to see you both. And thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. Now, I know that you both champion working collaboratively and see the meaning in creating great partnerships. Can you tell me more about the National Centre for University and Business? I will certainly have a go, Matt. Um, So National Centre for Universities and Business, I mean, at one level, we are exactly what we say on the tin. Uh, We we are a a national organisation that champions the agenda of universities and businesses collaborating together. Uh, Our aim is to make the UK a lead destination for university business collaboration. Um, And what does that mean? Well, we we try and do three things. We... um, we seek to try and inform the debate and the discussion, and so we are an evidence-based, uh, data-driven policy-type organisation, and where we we are genuinely interested in the trends. Uh, you know, to my barometer point, we're interested in the prevailing winds. You know, what's changing about the different forms, shapes, types of collaboration. Um, often, in a kind of policy sense, this gets dominated by IP and uh, technology transfer stakes there is a lot more to knowledge exchange and a lot more to collaboration than just um, the wonderful world of IP and equity stakes um, and so you know we try to look at the different trends the different things but we try to take that sort of informed our evidence work and think about how we can influence and shape both policy you know there's a lot of work a lot of interest at this at government levels but also how do we influence and shape practice um, and that's as much about behavior change about bringing universities and businesses together to understand um, the, their their commonalities and where we can work on in addressing their differences um, and recognising that sometimes the differences are complementary rather than um, in tension with each other. And then the final thing is that we try to do, and you know, speaking today on this podcast is part of our third area of work, we try to inspire um, more businesses to do more collaboration with more universities in more different ways. We do that in a whole range of things. Part of the state relationship is to just tell compelling stories you know have you heard about this business worked with the university and in a commercial sense its bottom line improved its growth rate uh, transformed its net assets are now and we talk we can talk in business language rather than university impact case studies or anything like that um, but equally if we go and talk to universities when well, i'll see Stuart on uh, monday um i'll talk about impact case studies and we'll talk about it in those sorts of terms but uh, but i think we also do and finally just a we recognise that this is a people business, but we also rec- that there is, a, there is a place for digital platforms. And so we've helped develop a digital platform primarily aimed at small businesses to say, look, 
you know, you haven't got the absorptive capacity to go knock on every university's door and they don't have one single front door. So it's, it's a complicated thing. But our Confer brokerage platform is there to help a small business either find opportunities, um, connect to academic researchers that are working in their space, or just be pushed opportunities. You're working in satellite applications. Have you seen the latest funding call? We'll match you to an academic who's also working in satellite applications, and maybe you'd be interested in collaborating together. So we try and help facilitate that, but it's driven by data, it's driven by connections, but we recognize that very quickly we need to pass that on to Stuart's team, to the academics, to, to you know, all we can do is start that conversation um, and very quickly pass it on um, because ultimately it will be about people working out if they can work together. What do we really mean by this term collaboration? Uh, I mean, at the heart of it is um, it's about bringing two parties together that don't have something that the other party can bring together. Business needs ideas, needs people, needs access to facilities and equipment. Uh, business, uh, the university is looking for people to, you know, ex, you know, utilize its ideas, utilize its talent, utilize its facilities, resources. And a simple thing, it's it's a kind of at one level born out of a deficiency. One side doesn't have something else, but actually, it, it kind of at the heart of collaboration is also then this, you know, greater things are happened in the greater sum of the parts, you know. And and there's that sort of famous proverb of, you know, if you want to go fast go on your own if you want to go further collaborate you know go together and it's that sort of if you want to go further if you want to do diff things differently then actually you need to bring new people in to help you develop new ideas bring new talent in you know do things differently so that for me is at the heart of collaboration is my very high level uh, overview of collaboration uh Stuart, offer something more practical and granular well no i think i might do the opposite i think i might step back i entirely agree with what joe said but i think you know stripping it back I think the heart, you know, the essence of collaboration is really two minds meeting um, and actually getting a bigger picture, a bigger understanding of the situation through through that sort of sharing of perspectives. Now, I, I would move on naturally to that kind of, well, if there's a problem, seeing a problem from two different perspectives or, or, or a challenge, seeing it from two different perspectives allows you to sort of understand and, and tackle that challenge um, in a much richer and, and more successful way the more perspectives that you sort of bring to it and I think that's the heart of the of, of university business collaborations as Joe was saying that actually by bringing together a business perspective and an academic perspective often you can see the problem or the challenge differently more nuanced and therefore pick, pick your way through it in a, in a much uh, more successful way that, than, than just thinking about it from solely from one perspective. And it sounds like people, though, are important in that process, aren't they? People are at, potentially at the heart of that mix, really, of being able to identify problems and maybe even step outside of the organisation to probe and to see where other organisations can help. I'm just thinking some of our listeners um, may read trade press or business press and think of larger businesses that collaborate um, is that something that small businesses can also do? Absolutely, definitely. I mean, I, I think that the large businesses perhaps get a bit more of the spotlight. I know speaking from Oxford, then, then there's been a bit of a spotlight on how we've collaborated with large businesses. And I know Joe spends a lot of time do, uh, sort of helping some of that um, large business side of things too. But I think both of us also realise and see the opportunities for small businesses to collaborate and have examples of that. It's just perhaps uh, less obvious or gets less of the, uh, the, the attention more of the time. For small businesses, it's the same 
in, in essence, the same challenge that big businesses are facing. You know, there's what we've just talked about in terms of collaboration. So it's a meeting of minds. It's a new, things that you can't do on your own that you need to do with somebody else. Um, but but I think there are two things that that I think for SMEs for smaller businesses that are challenging. One is the the time pressures. You know, it's pretty likely that I'm pretty confident that AstraZeneca, uh, BP are going to be here in five years time. For an SME, are they going to be here in five months time? Right. And so you've got this kind of urgency within a small business that is not just a kind of we're small, we're dynamic, we're agile. It's we might not be here in five months. <laughs> Whereas if you are VP of you know, some of the big corporate giants in the UK and around the world, you're thinking about where is the where is the global economy going to be in five years time and where are the kind of opportunities. So I think time is an issue. Um, but then I think the other part of it is then for big businesses, they know that they can think in five year enterprises, they can organize their teams, they can think about markets, they can think about regulators. For small businesses, they don't know that they're trying to sort of quickly develop products, get them out there, get people buying them, get people, you know, and, 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 you know, survive, thrive, that sort of cycle. But for, but they don't often know what a university could help them with. And so, and part of the challenge actually is if you think about universities, and we spend a lot of time with universities as well with businesses, universities are large, complex organizations. And so, it's not unsurprising that it's easier for easier, I say, um, for for universities to work with big businesses because they're big, uh, the, the the business is big. Whereas actually, for a small business, you know, you don't have dedicated R and D teams, universally liaison people, contract managers, IP lawyers, uh, project managers, right, who will help develop all of these things. It's the chief exec and you know this the you know the second person in the organization possibly a third um and so they're doing finance and hr and contracts and delivery and project management and stakeholder management so it's just a question of of scale but also time i agree i think horizons are absolutely critical in any kind of collaboration trying to to match the horizons so even even with a large company or a small company trying to make sure that the collaboration is on is thinking about the same sort of time horizons immediate versus long term um, I think also that that the, the advantage of size probably gives you more frequency of engagement, so that so that you're not just engaging for the first time or once every few years, uh, but you're engaging more regularly. And I think I think Joe's right on to a, a key difference between large and small businesses is that familiarity with how to navigate quite large, complex organisations. And universities are incredibly complex. Every institution, I, I work in a particularly big one, but every university is a large and complex organisation um, that if, you, if you've if you experienced it as an undergraduate, it's very different than if you're a postgraduate or researcher. So even, even if you're familiar with the university environment, it may be quite different from the research side. Um, so yeah, so navigating your way around large organisations, whether that be a big business or a, or a university, is, is a key sort of issue. Mm. And many of the the SMEs that we work with in the Northeast, a lot of the owner managers haven't been to university, so they don't have 
any connections and they simply say to us we don't know where the front door is and it's usually a personal connection or uh, a friend or a relation works at the university and they get them into the university through um, through that kind of um, chain of emails and then eventually they might find somebody they want to they want to speak to but many of the SMEs that we work with talk about of course cash flow cash flow is a really important thing and Joe highlights time time has been so important for small business um, but how important then is thinking about collaboration on that scale you know on a practical level you know how would you speak and i suppose how would you guide small businesses when thinking about collaboration when should they think about it that's a good question i mean i think constantly thinking about collaboration the question is when when to engage um so so you know thinking about where other parties other businesses other universities you know support mechanisms can can partner or collaborate is absolutely key so I think it should be an ongoing thing. I, I think the question is 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 when when best to to engage. When, when, how to know what you're looking for? When is the point to to really sort of do that? Because I I know a number of companies that perhaps start off without a clear idea of what they're looking for, and it can be a very frustrating sort of experience to try and navigate round a big organisation. Um, it's much easier if you have a sense of what your challenges or, or or what the opportunity or the problem that you're trying to address is because then that makes it easier uh, for other people to sort of navigate and, and, and advise and, and sort of point you around yeah and, and I think to I, I think one of the things that um, we often talk about when we talk about SME engagement is um, you know there is a lot to your point earlier Matt about the importance of people the people who are at the interface between the university and the business, people like Stuart and his team at Oxford, but, you know, this Stuart's team is replicated around the country and, you know, Matt and your other parts of your day job, you are doing the same, is you play a really important question, which is a really important role, which is not only to help them, you know, come up with the answers, but actually to work out what the questions are that they need that ultimately need answering and also and more importantly a lot is talked about triaging a lot of it i think is actually about diagnostics it's about understanding and part of that diagnostics is understanding where that business is in their life journey you know saying to them do you want to come become part of a collaborative partner on a you know with another unit with another business you know we're doing this project with you know, Innovate UK or, you know, sort of, all right, you're kind of at sort of level three or level four, right? But actually the business might turn around and say, Innovate who? What? Come again? And, um, you know, uh, and then my favorite bit whenever I'm usually sort of riffing at the beginning of presentations is, you know, in our world, we all know what a KTP is and we all know what uh, a doctoral, a DTC is or a KEF, what the KEF is all about. Oh, the significance of the REF, right? For a small business, well, for a big business, I've just said three or four acronyms that most organisations have no idea. But we, like all sectors, and, and it's true on the same on the business side, you know, we, we adopt language which is not helpful, especially if you are very new to this at the sort of, you know, entry level. I've never, I've never worked with the university before. And yet we go, oh, would you, oh, you sound really good for a KTP. What's a KTP? Yeah. Yeah. What about, actually, we could give you a voucher. We could give you a bit of money just to get you going, right? And just get to know us. And so in a voucher, vouchers have a place. Oh, I get that. Oh, a bit of something for free or half price or whatever. And then suddenly you're de-risking. And I think that gets to your cash flow point. Actually de-risking this, bit of a kind of test it. But 
challenge for a university is you've got to then kiss a lot of frogs um, to you know to to do a lot of innovation vouchers. Sometimes that's worth it. You know, there are lots of, you know, you build the pyramid up and you've got sales pipelines, which businesses will understand. But it does make SME engagement really hard because they're not all, you know, trying to develop that new drug discovery um, um, where they're all singly focused and you've got, a government, you know, academic department is equally focused. You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot it's really important growth productivity UK PLC but it's, it's, I think the language is so important isn't it language sits so at the so much at the heart of that and I like the way you you sort of just simplified it Joe and talked about well you talked about it on the same level as a, a small business you talked about cash flow you talked about how um, a service that the university offers can help their business directly and it's also about listening isn't it it's also about listening and understanding their needs because sometimes universities are very good at offering what they think would be good, often through the lens of their research, rather than listening to the needs of uh, of a bit of an individual business. Joe made a, a really interesting point there about, you know, we were talking about the time to go, but also what you go with. So you can almost go with a fixed idea too soon uh, or, or a fixed idea too late. And I think it's that sort of middle ground where, where um, uh, you're still, where there's a conversation between two parties. So, so I take your point, Matt, you know, if, it, if, if it's just a matter of company wants to do X, academic wants to do Y, that there's never going to be any meeting ground in the middle. But a sort of conversation about actually these are the challenges we're facing in our business. This is, this is what's affecting our bottom line. This is, this is, these are the kind of things we need to address. And then enabling um, other parties to try and work out help define what the problem is, help to sort of understand the question uh, and then then get into this thing about mechanisms with all those acronyms. So what's, the, what's the right mechanism to do it? Well, if you can talk about the challenge and the problem, then work out whether it's about people or about funding um, and then start to work out, well, is it this set of letters or this set of letters that best... And universities will be very good at trying to find the right mechanism. Um, but it all works well if you've identified and clarified and thought about what you're trying to do and, and how that's going to work with both horizon timelines, um, but also to try and affect and impact and improve um, the business that has this problem or this challenge or this opportunity that it's trying to address. I mean, we've talked about this sort of this merger of universities and businesses working together, but why should they work together? What are the benefits of a small business approaching a university to seek a partnership? What do they get out of it? They can get all sorts of different things out of it. Um, uh, you know, you know, I've I've worked with all sorts of um, small businesses where it's it's it, it expanded their view of what's possible, or it's helped them to think more efficiently about what they're doing, or it's opened up new avenues or markets to them, or products to them that they hadn't seen before. Um, so that there are all sorts of sort of advantages from doing it, if 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 you approach it in the right way, I think. It can be also very frustrating if, if, if it doesn't quite work or you get lost or, 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 or the conversation doesn't quite kind of click. Yeah, um, and, I, and, I, and I, I think, Matt, it's a really good question about why it's important. I think to your point about cash flow, I think there, there is an issue which is around do you see investment in, in R&D in the broadest sense or, you know, or even in you know, talent, right? Do you see that as a cost or do you see that as an investment? And I think the UK 
the, the UK is going through some quite profound economic changes. You know, we are living, breathing through, um, you know, a coming out of, a, you know, a, pan, a, a global pandemic that happens once in a generation that has had a profound effect economically, societally, um, politically. But also we've got our changing relationship with Europe. We've also got the kind of impacts of, you know, uh, a, a war in Europe for the first time in, you know, you know, 50 or 60 years. But you've also that's also all of those three things are in the kind of very near time. You've also got the kind of profound impact of digital transformation, an aging society, grand, grand challenges that are profoundly both changing the ways in which we live our lives, the ways in which businesses operate, the ways in which, you know, I haven't mentioned kind of net zero, you know, and all of those kind of things that are, you know, affecting the ways in which our planet, um, you know, operates and survives and other things. So I think I think that the bit that there are two things that I'd sort of boil it down to. One is about the need for businesses to continue to recognize that the world is profoundly changing around them. And therefore, to kind of Stuart's point, it is an imperative of any business that wants to survive more than five months um, and ideally wants to survive for five years, needs to be thinking about what does the world look like in five years' time and have that as its event horizon, that as its, um, and recognise that it needs new ideas, it needs to continue to be at the cutting edge. And then the second thing I would say is that when you look at the survival rates of those businesses that have been able to lift themselves up, been able to see this as an investment, not as a cost, they are more likely to therefore kind of find, you know, the serendipity of working with a university will say, oh, well, I can find you a pot of money here. I can connect you to them. You know, to, to, to Stuart's point, oh, we've got students just going off to, you know, this part of, you know, Delhi or we're going, you know, got some students in Guangzhou. Oh, right. Well, you know, our product, we've been really trying to get into the Chinese market or we've been really trying to get, you know, oh, well, you know, let's connect you to it. And, you know, we sort of think of universities in quite siloed ways. They do research, but actually students are this amazing kind of bridge, not only bringing talent into the business, but actually routes to markets, you know. Um, and, you know, so so I, I think you've just got, you know, why wouldn't you work with universities? You don't have to exclusively work with universities. You know, they are not the panacea for everything and nor should they be seen as the panacea. You know, the, the one-stop shop for all of your things. Universities are many things, but they are not the one-stop shop. But my God, the opportunities there. Why? Wow, you, you know, an array of things start to open up. Um, and, and that's where I think those businesses that want to survive and if we want the UK economy to thrive in this kind of post-Brexit, post-COVID, post blah, 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 then surely we've, you've got to be able to, businesses have got to kind of think differently. Yeah. And I think to, then to Stuart then, so the universities must be aware of the landscape and the challenges that, that Joe has really highlighted there in the, in the business landscape. Are they doing enough? Are they doing enough to respond and support business amongst these turbulent times? I mean, I think we can always do more. Um, particularly around those changing times. I, I also think a lot of what universities are doing are, are perhaps not as clear or as evident. I think that point about students and the talent pool that students 
people don't immediately think of in these kind of conversations that actually by talking to a career service of a university, um, you might bring into a, an organisation a particular skill set and a particular set of connections and network that might that might help with that. So our career service here is very active in terms of um, supporting students to pick up employment skills, but also to understand business and, and to be successful in, in terms of pursuing their careers with businesses. There's a lot of internships, um, uh, at, particularly at research sort of level um, for, for masters and, and, and PhD students, where there's an opportunity for, for businesses to engage with universities at that sort of easy, accessible level. Um, Joe has mentioned a whole lot of acronyms uh, that, that universities are thinking about. Uh, and the sum total of those acronyms are basically the universities are thinking a lot about how we have impact, how we, we, we have an impact outside of academia through what we'd call knowledge exchange, which is basically working with non-academic partners, or about how research can, can be more impactful. Um, so there's a lot of thinking and a lot of work going on uh, about how universities can, can do that and a, and a load of different mechanisms by which, by which that's sort of um, uh, making itself known through, uh, as I say, through some of the mechanisms, some collaboration mechanisms, so how we work with business, but also through through thinking about our people and how we support them to, to, to move between different sectors, uh, to have uh, an expanded skill set, understanding some of these kind of pressing issues. Um, so, yeah, so I think a lot is going on and a lot more will go on uh, in terms of trying to improve and, and support universities to work ever more closely and collaborate ever more closely with with, universe, with businesses. I think one thing that's really important, and I'm sure Stuart won't mind me saying this, if you, you know, if you think about an institution like, you know, Oxford, one of the oldest universities, you know, in the world, right? But it's, you know, and it was established actually as a kind of seat of learning, um, you know, and 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 then as a seat of research and has done, you know, actually this kind of impact agenda in the broadest sense, you know, is actually a relatively new activity. And 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 we sort of in, in lots of ways, it's it's always happened. Right. But we've kind of now call it impact. We call it, you know, impact. I think Stuart's definition is, is quite a good one, which is a broader one rather than getting into the acronyms of REF and KEF and all of those sorts of things. But. I think what's important to recognise is that this really has kind of accelerated in the last 10 years, sort of developed further the 10 years before that, was a kind of minority sport for 10 years. You know, in the last 30 years, you are seeing the sort of emergence of a sort of an exponential growth of this. But it means that actually it's still a relatively immature activity in the broadest sense. It's still trying, you know, within the university, research is still the primary thing that both defines and keeps academics you know happy and occupied and, and driven they in the main enjoy their teaching and then they're starting to get to do more knowledge you know impact related work but we have to always remember that you know knowledge exchange is 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 catching up with um and this impact agenda is is trying to sort of find greater parity between these different these different tensions but i think as a result it just means that you know, for businesses, for universities, for government, they're all, you know, with, with all of these things are just trying to make the system better as the system just evolves and matures. Um, and I think sometimes we sort of beat ourselves up, certainly in a more policy-centric way. Why aren't we better at this? Why isn't it more uniform? Well, people are still finding their feet. You know, so people are still learning. Um, 
you know, professions are being forged literally in front of our eyes. Um, and so, you know, we have to sort of temper this a little bit. Um, but I think Stuart's right. You know, this whole impact agenda is only really sort of 10, 15 years old in terms of what we would consider impact. Um, and still, there are parts of universities that don't believe in impact, um, you know, which is fine. You know, you know, there are horses and there are courses. I, I think I have a slightly, a slightly different or nuanced view. So, so actually, if you look at lots of charters of, of, of universities, new and old, that they have a social benefit in it somewhere. Uh, but I agree that the focus over the last 10, 15 years in universities, the kind of conscious focus about how to take excellent teaching and excellent research uh, and to see a greater value from that has definitely ratcheted up. But it's not an alien concept to, 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 to the institutions. In fact, many of them were, were set up on that premise. Uh, and, and, you know, many academics... Um, that's always been part of their driving force to see that impact. But there definitely has been institutionally, governmentally, and then down at the individual level, a greater concerted effort to try and find routes to impact and to try and find new routes to impact and to try and improve those. And a lot of people, there are a lot of people in roles like uh, mine in different universities trying to think about, well, how do we do this better, more efficiently? How do we um, help universe, uh, help businesses to find their way around quicker and easier? How, how, do, how do we do it better, quicker? Um, but there's always been a, a sense. It's not a completely alien concept. It's just much more effort and, and, and sort of focus has gone on it. Uh, and equally, universities are getting more confident at, at working out how to do it. So, you know, in in my world, you know, the reality that you can do excellent research around vaccines and have amazing impact has just sort of furthered the confidence and the ambition in this area about how we can, uh, how how academics from all types, engineers, and uh, can really have a, a an impact in helping businesses and society to to change things for the better. You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. Find out how Northumbria University can help your business thrive through the Help to Grow Management Programme, delivered by leading small business and enterprise experts from Northumbria University with the support of leading figures from industry and experienced entrepreneurs. The programme supports senior managers of small and medium-sized businesses to boost their business's performance, resilience and long-term growth. The 12-week programme is 90% funded by the government and the fee payable by participants is £750 and has been designed to allow participants to complete it alongside full-time work. The in-depth, high-quality curriculum supports you to build your capabilities in leadership, innovation, digital adoption, employee engagement, marketing, responsible business and financial financial management. By the end of the program, you'll develop a business growth plan to help you lead your business to realize its potential. To find out more about the program, the modules, eligibility and fees and delivery dates, go to northumbria.ac.uk slash help to grow. You're listening to Why Small Business Matters. My name is Matt Sutherland and today I'm joined by Joe Marshall and Stuart Wilkinson, who are talking and who are discussing the challenges facing business, policymakers and universities as we move forward over the next decade. People listening to this will, will, will understand that there are benefits to business through working with a university, but they might be listening thinking, but what's the benefit to a university? You talk about this sort of 10 to 15 year journey of now being more open and more confident about working externally, but what's in it for universities? What, In your opinion, what, why are universities now on this track? Well, so, so universities, very, very crudely, they're about more than more than these two things. But 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 the, some of the main things that universities spend their time and effort on are 
teaching people, training people, um, and doing research, generating new knowledge. Um, and both of those things are helped by inputs from, from, from the real world. So some really interesting and exciting problems and challenges to, to generate new knowledge around from, from companies. And uh, training and supporting people has that link to, to beyond academia. Um, so, so, the, so those two things uh, are naturally informed and reinforced by, by outside businesses and parties that you have an interest either in, the, in that talent, those students coming through, or in helping to, to generate new ideas and new knowledge. But, but that's the main, if you sit there thinking about what, what is an academic trying to do, most of their time will be spent on, on, on trying to further those two aims of, of furthering teaching or, or furthering research, generating new knowledge. And businesses can, can be a partner in, in, in both of those in different forms. It's responsiveness. It's the world, if the world is changing around us, then actually what we need, you need to be able to feed that in, ideally in real time. You know, oh, you know, you want to move to hybrid technology. Yeah, but, you know, you've always liked big engines that go faster and further. Well, we do want them ideally to go faster and further, but we can't carry on putting hydrocarbons into it. Right? You know, the world, you know, societally, governmentally, you know, nobody wants, you know, big hydrocarbon engines anymore. Oh, but then you kind of new challenges. Okay, what does a big engine do at 40,000 feet if it's got hybrid? You know, there aren't charging points, you know, up there. And, you know, what happens to batteries and chemicals at 40,000 feet is not the same as what happens uh, that. And, you know, and if we're all struggling for those, not that I have, but, you know, for those people who've got hybrid or, you know, electric cars at the moment, a cold snap, right, doesn't go as far, right? Your car does not go as far on the battery charge as it did in, you know, more seasonal weather. But at 40,000 feet, the temperature is a very different temperature. So, you know, suddenly you're, kind of, you know, you're, you're having to deal with, uh, you know, a whole series of different things. And that's the other brilliant thing for a university is not only trying to apply these things, but actually the cross collaboration between the chemistry department, between the engineering faculty, between um you know the automotive you know and you know automotive department you know engineering and all of these different collaborations suddenly you're kind of going oh right you know and, and that's the brilliant thing about the collaboration within the university and the collaboration with these real world problems certainly the grand challenges that i outlined earlier are not going to be solved by single disciplines you know this isn't a the chemistry department or the physics department can fix you know, climate change, it's going to take all sorts of things, including, you know, the social sciences, the shape disciplines, which will be critical in terms of actually behaviour change. Because actually the biggest thing that we did in the pandemic, obviously the vaccine was instrumental in helping us come out of the pandemic, but the biggest thing was societally we're going to have to lock, not lock everybody up, but we're going to have to restrict what people socially do to manage the pandemic so there's a whole series of kind of social norms and behavioural things that are as equally important as vaccines and, you know, medical interventions. I mean, using that example, Joe, Joe whether intentionally or not, has kind of slightly teed me up in terms of uh, those kind of challenges are really interesting to academics. Um, so either uh, so, so there's, a, there's an example of one of the companies that we span out 
where some academics were working with some automotive companies thinking well in advance back in in 2007 about the future of hybrid cars. Uh, And that was really exciting to our academics to think of a a grand, big, big problem and challenge. And it was really interesting to those companies to get into a collaboration with some support from government funding, um, which would have been Innovate UK now, to, to, to put that collaboration together to explore. That then led into us spinning out a company for a new electric motor called Yasa Motors, which then uh, started collaborating with other companies in order to, to build and develop that motor. Um, last summer, that was bought by Mercedes. Um, and the technology behind that has then been spun out into uh, an electric motor company thinking about how you power flight, which goes exactly to Joe's point that the challenges of thinking 10 years ahead about what, what the transition to electric cars would be is a long journey. And some companies had the foresight to engage with that. That building a, a company that can can uh, make electric motors perform in automotive requires a whole lot of series of challenges that are specific to that sector, which are very different to the challenges of of, of putting it in, in, into uh, into a plane. So those are the kind of issues that that universities love to try and grapple with. And if you can get the timings right, I should say on that company as well. Um, that, that, that we spun out that company, we started a new company on the basis of that. That company was an established. They had some production issues and challenges. And so they then went to our, our friends up the hill at Oxford Brooks University and did a collaboration with them around the production engineering of, of that particular motor through this mechanism KTP that we've mentioned, Knowledge Transfer Partnerships. So it's a really good example of how a kind of big societal challenge can lead to all sorts of interesting questions and problems for companies and for academics. And, and if you've got the right navigation right, you can benefit from different universities with different questions, thinking about all sorts of challenges to do with ultimate, ultimately, how do we uh, change this sector? But what does that mean for the businesses and how is that going to affect their bottom line and their products and all the rest of it? Some of the work that your organisation, Joe, has been doing, and you do yearly through the State of the Relationship Report, and this is a... Uh, a big piece of work which really does a snapshot doesn't it of the environment between universities and business and this um, edition of the report has been recently published what were some of the main things that came out of this report looking at university and business collaboration for us the state of relationship report is our sort of annual barometer you know what what is the um you know what's the temperature what's the you know sort of atmospheric pressure uh where are the winds blowing what's changing what's moving what's where 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 are the sort of trends that we're starting to see and to pick up on the example we've just talked about you know where where are we starting to see the early trends that might project where things are going to be in in five years ten years time one of the big things for us last year with the state relationship was was actually the data sets have a lag period. So obviously they get collected, they get processed, and then and then they get, you know, these are official statistics. So there's a lag period. But this was the first data set that covered the full pandemic. And I think one of the really interesting things from a, not uh, from a kind of government and a policy perspective, was the what impact was the pandemic having on the types of interactions? Because the context of this is that year on year, there has been a growth of interactions between universities and businesses and this agenda, this, this, this forms of collaboration have grown in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. And so clearly, in an era in which both societally we're all in lockdown and, you know, various disruptions, but also just in terms of actually a lot of that interaction is with businesses who, you know, we're looking at, you know, will they survive? Will they, you know, continue? And so one of, not unsurprisingly, there is a sort of flatlining 
of uh, collaborations in terms of the data sets. More acutely, uh, a drop-off being felt in small businesses, right? So the trend for small businesses have dropped. And so that is an area that we are, we're interested in. Now, what we don't, what, overall, it's a sort of flatlining of collaboration. So it's not significantly dropped and obviously it's not, it's not going up. So we sort of, our argument is that the system is showing resilience. Um, I think from an SME perspective, clearly there has been a drop and so it's being, being felt more acutely for small businesses. And I think that gets to, you know, small businesses kind of retreating into themselves a little bit, thinking about, you know, surviving rather than uh, thriving. And so I think one of the things that we're acutely aware of is as we come out of um, the pandemic and we grapple with other, you know, uh, cost of living, energy crises, uh, you know, then clearly what support mechanisms do we need to make it you know to both make it easier um to support businesses and we did quite a lot of work uh during the pandemic to sort of make sure that what you don't want to see happen is either those established or forming partnerships fall away and so actually there was a there was quite a lot of work and i'm sure Stuart and his team were doing a lot of this in oxford and you know in the area and beyond which was just to make sure that those relationships don't wither during these crises that even though they might you might be dialing back activity um actually what's important is you just make sure that those relationships are being maintained so that you're not having to start from scratch you're not having to do everything again um so it's just a, you know maintaining maintaining keeping keeping in touch with people i think the other thing that we um <clears throat> we we starting to see also changes in innovation models um uh, where you know we're starting to see more uh, corporate venturing. Um, so businesses are starting to look in at um, university spin-outs as well as startups, and they're starting to look at, and we did quite a lot of work, and this is quite a big topic of area of interest for the government at the moment, the kind of clusters, and what are the sort of, what are the conditions that you need? What are the different actors that you need? Universities are one of the key actors, you know, but what also the other key kind of actors that, stimulate and make an area um you know vibrant um you know dynamic um and and certainly i know um in a big speech the minister the science minister gave last week he's really interested in the sort of role how do you make an attractive place for businesses to come and set and you know start up those sorts of things and, and actually what that means is that for small business you then get to do the question which is well why wouldn't i be there because actually it's not about competitors it's about you know, access to complementary companies that are working in my space. It's about access to talent. It's access to, you know, actually the funding and the um, both public funding, but also some of the private equity funding is also going to be kind of co-located there or, or, or that's where they're fishing. They know that that's where the businesses are. Um, so, so there's some really interesting things about kind of clusters and then the role that actually universities play in that horizon setting and uh, future horizon scanning you know they, they play a kind of <clears throat> convening role facilitation role that sort of says actually we think that in five or ten years time this is where we want to be um you know this is you know how do we help people are at the heart of it still aren't they and especially kind of those uh, the power of weak ties just maintaining those relationships even when you can't meet face to face in that period of 2020 to 2021 that, that sort of that Joe's alluding to. So I think we've talked an awful lot on this podcast about people do business with people and the importance of people in 
developing great partnerships. Um, I'm conscious of time because um, I think Joe, you've only got till twenty past. So, um, I, and I would I would like to ask you what the end what the end. I'm going to ask you a question if that's okay. And what is the NCUB? And then we can edit it in at the start. So I'll ask that in a second. But just to you both, what should we be looking out for in the future? What's on the horizon that maybe government and policymakers are thinking about to support really rich and productive university and business collaborations? I think I think the UK. Um, has got a, without kind of getting too boosterish, um, has has demonstrated over many many years and decades and hundreds of years that it is has all, often been at the kind of forefront of ideas and turning those ideas into you know new sectors, new businesses, new technologies. You know, Stuart's just given a really good example of of where you know one of the biggest mar- car manufacturers in the world, right? didn't need to, didn't need, doesn't need to invent a new electric motor. It waits for those kind of startup model, you know, startups, you know, spin out becomes, you know, and I think we're now, so I think the UK has got, has got an amazing track record in part actually driven by our universities that are at the forefront of cutting edge ideas and technologies and, and new thinking. And so I think for small businesses, it's about, um, capitalizing on that amazing research base that we've got in the UK but recognizing that I think we do have we do have a kind of a long tail of businesses in the UK for which productivity growth are stagnant um, and I think one of the things that this government is really keen to do is how do we encourage more businesses to think innovatively to think um, about generating new ideas and new technologies because you know this this country is both born and bred on it but actually is a wash and array of it so i think that for me is where there's lots of political sound bites about innovation there's lots of political sound bites about r d but it is about how we kind of really capitalize on those opportunities and get businesses to um to to you know think that that's where the uk economy's opportunities lie and i think allied to that there was something that joe said earlier about you know it's not just about and product, but everything around that, the behavior change, all of those different aspects that, that go to make something successful. I think um, uh, definitely from, 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 from this university, our ambition in terms of seeing that sector growth is growing, but the, the, the number of disciplines that then feed into that gets ever more complex. So universities, yes, have, you know, technical parts, thinking about engineering and, and medical sciences, but also the social sciences, um, business schools, how they can all play into that, how to um, uh, grow and expand and support that sort of ambition that Joe's just sort of talked about and that sort of growing companies uh, and, and building on the, the, the sort of science and idea generation that happens all across the UK. Thank you to my guests, Joe Marshall and Stuart Wilkinson. And don't forget to check out previous episodes of the podcast, looking at knowledge exchange with Kevry and further detail about the Help to Grow Management programme with Charlotte Keenan and Michael Heyman. Also, networking with Ollie Barrett and Caroline Theobald. And if you would like to find out more information about the Help to Grow Management programme, go to northumbria.ac.uk forward slash help to grow. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on Why Small Business Matters. Mm-hmm.